If you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians. We're going to be in chapter 4 tonight. And again, we've been in a series called Pray Like Paul. Just going through powerful prayers of Paul and how they change our life. Before we start, I want to give you a brief outline of where Paul is. Picture yourself, he's in prison. He's chained to a jailer. He's got walls around him, chains. How often have you been in a negative situation where you've prayed something like what Paul's going to pray tonight? I can almost think of zero situations when I'd pray like Paul. Most of the time, if you see, I'm in jail, I'm chained to this guy, the enemy is against me, I don't know what I'll do, maybe I just sit and wait for this to be over and then God can use me again. Paul wrote later on that he's in a race and we should run the race. And I believe that Paul saw every part of his life, no matter where he was, as part of the obstacle course in that race. So what we were thinking, what I might have been thinking, I'm chained, I'm bound, I'm helpless and useless. Paul is thinking, what can I do? I'm in the obstacle course. I'm going to start writing to those churches that I planted. So he's writing to the Colossians to encourage them with words that they needed. You're seeing a new church. How many times have you been early in your faith? Or maybe some of you have been mature believers for a while. And you've been going to church. And <clears throat> just plugging away. Doing everything right. No problems at all. Relationships matter. Communication matters. But I still feel stale. Or I'm a new believer and I don't know how to move forward. You're seeing these relationships come to the surface in Colossae. Why was Paul in prison? He was put there because he was sharing the gospel, the mystery, to the Gentiles. And the Jews didn't like it. Religious leaders at the time were trying to hang on to their authority and the structure of that authority in their government. And power makes people do crazy stuff and believe things that might not be true. So Paul knew he was right. He was in there for the wrong reason. But instead of complaining, he's reaching the jailer and he's considering the church on the outside to see past the walls, like we talked about last week, to pray big prayers. I'm, I want abundantly more than you can ask or imagine for my church family. So with that in mind, do words matter? Absolutely they do. I would say to you this. It's been said that Hitler, for every 100 for every word that you will read in Mein Kampf, 125 people died, lost their lives in World War II. Words matter. The things that I used to say when I was a little less mature or even lost mattered. I was leading people down the wrong roads at one point, and that mattered. It mattered to God. The power of speech is a gift from God, and it, it is used in a way that God ordains. 
God gifts us with the ability to talk. Why? Not just so we can communicate with one another, but so we communicate with Him. He already knows what's in our heart. Jesus said, whatever's in there is going to come out of your mouth. I want what to come out of your mouth, what's already in there, for you to trust that to me. So, what should we do with that? We should talk to God before we talk to other people. What we tend to do is talk to other people before we talk to God. Other people, by the way, who haven't talked to God already. And we wonder why we're derailed in our faith walk, in our churches, that sort of thing. The good news is, is that Paul was telling them, be encouraged no matter what. And I'm going to invite you now to stand in honor of the greeting of God's word. We're going to read just a few verses, Colossians 4, verses 2 through 4. And it'll be on the screen. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm locked up, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. You may be seated. There are two major points I'd like to highlight, if you will, or pull out of this text this evening as we break down. As you regularly practice your walking around life, I think just keeping these things in the forefront of your mind can keep you sensitive to the Holy Spirit working and your your job, your day-to-day job with how to pray and what to pray for. The first thing is be devoted to pray for others. Verse 2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. The NIV uses the word devote. Well, what is a devotion? You think, I'm going to do a daily devotion today. It's like a little thought, and then we're going to carry that thought, and then we're going to put a little sunrise on our social media page, and we're going to feel great, and all is right with the world. To be devoted, literally, means to endure, to be steadfast, to hold fast and not let go of something. In the defense of what I just said, and said it in a silly manner, it's easier to remember the silly little one-liner thing, right? But it's also easy to remember when God, the God of the universe, instructed me before I left the house. You don't forget when you've been talked to by God. When he convicted you of something and you said, I am yours, that made an adjustment in here that you will not get away from. As a matter of fact, atheists have gotten angry and said, because he won't get away from me, I am leaving. It's, it's that much. God wants to speak to you in that devoted quiet time. Paul is praying that they would devote themselves the way Jesus devoted his life to hear from his father to die on the cross so that you and I would have eternal life. When you are devoted the way Jesus is devoted, you are able to do the things that Jesus is able to do. Be holy as I am holy. It's possible to spend a day without sinning. It's difficult things. that it, It's not necessarily probable. But when 
someone can ask me, and I've had a really close time with the Lord, and you, you, many of you know what I'm talking about. You're so sensitive to it throughout the day that you don't want to mess up. But it's more than you don't want to mess up. I want to please the God that had mercy on me. I'm thankful, like he said, when I'm devoted, I'm thankful. Why do I have chains and walls on me? Instead of complaining about the things, I'm almost excited that the relief to behave my way to heaven is dissipated. I don't have to behave my way to heaven. I'm good because he is good. We get mercy towards others that we wouldn't have otherwise. We experience peace that passes all understanding. A verse that's very similar to this very passage he writes to the Philippians. Don't worry about anything but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. You know what's amazing about that? He doesn't say, be devoted and thankful. Be devoted and sit down and then, okay, be thankful is a separate thing. He's saying be devoted with thanksgiving. They go hand in hand. They're together. I am thankful that I am here and I am devoted that I am here. Hey, Bill, I see you got a chain on your leg. We have stuff to talk about. The God of the universe has infiltrated your life by attaching you to me right now. This same idea is communicated in 1 Thessalonians 5. Verse 17, it says, pray without ceasing. He goes on to say, be joyful always. Another picture of thanksgiving in that heart of give thanks in all circumstances. For this, he goes on to say, is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's a powerful verse. Martin Luther said this. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of his willingness. It's not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of his willingness. Do you want to lay hold of God's willingness? There was a time early in our marriage. We were probably married five years. And Ashley and I were headed on vacation and I remember getting on that plane, and I was, uh, you know, I thought of myself as a pretty good Christian. You know, I was going to church all the time. I was serving. I was even serving in the recovery group at the time. And I get on this plane, and I'm thinking, God, I just want a vacation. And I feel this conviction to talk to the guy that's next to me. And I'm like, Lord, I'm on vacation. Leave me alone. Right? <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I did not want to talk to the guy. I didn't want to talk about the gospel. I didn't want to talk about work. I just wanted to be left alone. Anybody been there, or am I the only one? Please don't crucify the pastor. We're going to do really good stuff. i got to be in a Duncan booth tomorrow. It is a difficult thing to be on all the time when you feel like you're clocking in and clocking out. But when you don't feel like you're clocking out, the Holy Spirit convicts you. He gives you power to follow through with the conviction. So the conversation becomes easy and you begin having a heart for somebody that 
you may not know, might not live until next Saturday. This week, we had four funerals at Cottage Hill between Thursday and Saturday. And one on Saturday morning was a dear friend of mine. Fifteen years of friendship. He's 55 years old on Saturday, and now he's no longer with us. At the funeral, six people prayed to receive Christ. We make mistakes. But one mistake that we shouldn't make is a passion for other people at all times. And when you're devoted to prayer, he pricks your heart for other people. Don't think you're on vacation from God ever. I was miserable until I opened my mouth. It doesn't mean we have to vocalize our prayer 24-7 up to God either. Hang on, i got to talk to God again. Be thankful. I'm thankful. You get this idea. That it, it, Paul says, preach the word in and out of season. Many of you in here might be hunters. Skipper? Yeah, called you out right in the middle of church. probably being recorded too. In and out of season means there's never an off season. So, but when do I shoot? Now. When do I pray? Now. When I see them coming, Pray. This guy annoys me. He's on his way over. No. This guy annoys me. Lord, what do you have for me here? This is an imperative. It's not a request. Prayer is not to be a last resort. It needs to be our first resource. We get too concerned about how long we pray with God, maybe, or the circumstances. Do I meet at 4 o'clock in the morning at this place? We're always breathing in and out. Relax. If you're breathing in and out and he gave you the oxygen to breathe in and out, maybe breathe up and say thanks for the oxygen. As you're driving in your car and you're worshiping, maybe listen to the songs and use them as a personal prayer. Maybe you're talking to your friend and you go, Lord, while he's speaking, give me a word. Maybe, he's, maybe this word is for me in my life to encourage me to make some adjustments. It's been well said that the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. From the time you wake up in the morning till the time you go to bed is the time to pray. That's why Paul says we should be watchful. The word picture is of a sentry in an army. His job is to walk around the perimeter of the camp at night listening to every sound any anomaly, anything that's out of the ordinary, and look and be watchful. What is God doing? Where is he working? What does he want me to do in these situations? What we tend to think about people who aggravate us, then we talk negatively about them even to ourselves. I've never done that, driving down the road. And then somebody looks over and sees you talking to yourself angrily. I've only seen Ashley do that. I've never done that. <laughs> Look for opportunities to pray for the very people that you find aggravating in your life. 
Who is it right now that you might need to pray for and quit griping about, gossiping about, complaining about, moaning about? Remain steadfast in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. There's a couple of underlying things that I want to put in this point. There is a good time to pray, and there's a good place to pray. Start your day practically with prayer. Start your day with prayer. And here's why I say start that, because I've heard advice on all kinds of, you can pray whenever, you can do your quiet time before you go to bed at night. Well, when I do that, by the time I wake up in the morning, it's almost gone, or I had a bad dream. But here's some great examples in Scripture. Mark 1.35 said, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed, went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus woke up his day consistently like that. When does an orchestra tune their instruments? In the middle of the program? Before the program starts. You are an instrument of the God of the universe. And if you want to be played well, if you want to sound the way he wants you to sound, if you want to look the way he wants you to look, tune before you go out. Tune before you go. In the Bible, many godly and women rose early. Here's the examples. Abraham. Genesis 19, Abraham goes early in the morning to the place where he'd stood before the Lord. Separate place, left people. Job, when the days of feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. He would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings for his kids. Jacob, early in the morning, he took the stone that he had put under his head, set it up for a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. Worshiping and praying to God. Moses, in Exodus 34, 4. Cut two tablets of stone, like the first. Rose early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took his hand, two tablets of stone. He was given the Ten Commandments early in the morning. Hannah, 1 Samuel. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Blessings came from early in the morning. When the Lord speaks to me before I go to work, and then I go to work, he is with me. I am clear that I met with him first. David wrote this, O Lord, in the morning, in Psalm 5.3, you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you, and I watch and watch. Psalm 57, 7 and 8. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. He's tuning his instrument before anyone else is around so that when he meets any adversary, a wolf or a Goliath, he's prepared. And he's not fearful. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Not seek my kingdom after you screw everything else up. That is typically what 
we do. Seek Him first. Second thing, have a regular place to pray in the morning. Mark 6, 46, after he'd taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. You'll see, hear that quite a bit about Jesus. Matthew 14, 23, and after he dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. John 8, 1, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Luke twenty two thirty nine, 39, and he came out and went, as was his custom. It means he regularly did this, he practiced. When you go, I heard Pastor Allen say this just this morning. That when you go to the same place over and over in that office, in that chair, after a while it feels like a sacred place. Nothing else should infiltrate this place except holiness. And I look forward to the time that I spend with my God in that chair. There's something about spending time with God that changes you, where you are. But there's something about God making us, he's a God of order. He puts all of these things in universe in order that are spinning at the same times. And we're bound by time and space. But he is not. That when we bind ourselves through discipline with time and space specifically set out to deny ourselves anything but meeting with him. Anything but fasting, for instance, denying myself just like fasting every other place on earth except this place because I know that that is where I'm going to meet my Savior. And he is going to speak into my life and I am going to respond and then we are going to have the power to go out for the day. It's powerful and it's real. And if it was big enough for Jesus, I think it's powerful enough for me. It may be something that I should consider. I'm asking you tonight, just consider that. Seek him first and find yourself a regular meeting place. Because within that mountain, there was a little garden of Gethsemane where Jesus sweat drops of blood and prayed for you and I. That very place that he gained strength to give you and I eternal life was where he was consistent at meeting his father, setting the example for you and I to be consistent meeting our father. It means something to God and to us. Find a place that has a measure of seclusion apart from distractions. It's almost impossible for me to do it without leaving my phone in the other room. Whatever distracts you, especially if you have ADHD or something like that, you're going to have days where you feel like the Spirit's flowing and I'm the godliest person alive and I'm going to go out and conquer the world and there's nothing that can stop me. And other days you feel like, I can't hold two sentences together. I feel like I'm going to fall asleep. I keep distracted. You're still there and God knows you and he understands. You keep praying. Leave the phone in the other room. Get rid of the emails as a distraction. Have a plan for prayer. You can set it up to fit in your style, but currently I'm reading through these prayers each day, then praying these prayers. Don't just, you know, hey, this looks good. Hey, how about that? You just think the Holy Spirit's going to open the right page to you. 
get a plan, stick to that plan, go through it, study, get consistent, and get a plan. Prayer flows like a well. And God, when I don't have the words, he promises in his word that he will. The Spirit gives us, he will intercede for us on our behalf. There are sometimes when you're just so overwhelmed with everything that you just, I just pray, Lord, I'm overwhelmed and I don't even know where to start. So I'm here. And sometimes I just have to start with reading someone else's prayer and watch the Bible minister to me where I am. That's the Holy Spirit of the living God honoring your discipline to lay before his feet. Second big point to pull out of this, be determined to pray for opportunities. Number one, pray for others. Devoted. Uh, this one, pray for opportunities. Colossians 4.3 says, At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word. Open to us a door for the word. To declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. I, I want to open a door that will put me in prison? Paul begins by requesting they pray for an open door. We typically look like an open door is the path of least resistance, right? That is where I'm going to go. Lord, open a door for me to be able to talk to Aunt Mabel today. And then Aunt Mabel calls and the Lord is at work, right? It, the path of least resistance. Well, I've talked to Aunt Mabel seven, five thousand times about whatever, and not been able to infiltrate the gospel somehow. Usually we meet resistance in the open door that Paul was praying for. He was describing open doors are never easy. That's typically not what we would like to pray for. But every time you see the phrase open door in scripture, it's speaking of an open door for the gospel to be proclaimed and believed. Peter went through hell before 3,000 came to faith in Christ. There are some rough things that happened. To Paul was stoned nearly within an inch of his life. He was beaten when open doors showed up for him. Acts 14.27 says, When they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. This is where he was being stoned and left for dead. Paul thought of that as a positive thing. Open the door that they might hear the gospel. You can't tell if God has opened the door until you've shared the gospel. If you wait for an easy opportunity, you won't do it. Satan will make sure of that. Don't give Satan a foothold. Don't give him the temptation. Don't let you... Be tempted by your comforts. I heard a missionary say this to an American pastor. I read this. He was, he was from the Middle East, and he said, we are praying for your church. And he said, you're praying for us. I'm praying for you. You're in the middle of turmoil over there in war. And he says, we know who our enemies are. You guys are confused. You don't know. You can't see your enemy. You guys have it made. Your enemy is attacking you in your own home and you can't see it. We can visibly see our enemies. I'm praying for you. 
is powerful. The church is blowing up in those situations because there's, there's active scriptural battling that people can deal with and have to. And they're stronger. Nero is crucifying people upside down and people are coming to Christ. How much sense does that make? I'll tell you how much sense it makes. You and I are going to be in heaven for eternity. And if I went fishing instead of church because I'm... They're going to look at me and go, what an idiot. That guy couldn't sacrifice blank. What do we sacrifice or don't sacrifice when it could be an open door for the gospel of Jesus Christ? We can talk to people that we wouldn't think that we'd have the strength to talk to. We have more power at our disposal than we believe we have. Because our creature comforts are bigger than they need to be and that we fought for. 1 Corinthians 16, 8-9 says, But I will st stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. He's pointing out the adversaries. Ephesus was one of the roughest cities Paul had ever preached in. A city riot, riot breaks out. And Paul calls it an open door. Why? Because some heard and believed the gospel. Then notice this. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Paul was the perfect missionary. He was Roman, Jewish, and Greek. In our country, we hear people say, if you come here, you got to learn to speak like me. Paul said, I have become all, all things to all people so that some might become saved. We, of all people, ought to be the smartest pursuing the ability to learn other cultures and other languages so that we could be able to communicate on their terms that the gospel might go forward. If I can't do that in my own community and I'm demanding other people to learn my opinions and my ideas, how does God use that? God doesn't use me talking about me and thinking about me ever. He talks about himself, glorifying himself. So he had trained Paul, Hebrew, Greek. We get our scriptures from this, guys. God wants to use you in the exact same way. Where you can go and go, you know what? I need to learn my boss better than I know him. I need to learn my neighbor better than I know them. I need to understand others better. I need to get out more of my own comfort zone. I need to be the missionary God has called me to be. Paul says, pray that I would be able to make the gospel clear and know what to say. Gospel clarity comes through prayer. The more I pray, the easier it is to share at the water fountain. The more I pray, the easier it is to know what to do when I'm driving to work. The more I pray, dot, dot, dot. God will give you passion for him and for others that you haven't had before. We should always be walking towards someone that's outside the faith. We should, that is why we're doing this. 
on Halloween. Because there are kids that aren't going out any other time. And they're going to walk through this yard on tomorrow, not knowing what's going to hit them. They're going to leave here with more than a cake is what we're prayed for. If anything, you get to meet somebody new. You get to learn about more people. You get to, it's exciting to meet more people. And I'm excited about that. He says we have to be wise in the way we do it. Let's conclude by looking at verse 5 briefly. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the best use of the time. Not in our little holy huddle. Talking about, I've already learned that lesson. There was an old cliche from the Boy Scout movement. It was three scouts report that they helped an old lady across the road. And the scout leader said, why did it take three of you? And they said, well, because she didn't want to go. <laughs> they don't want to go. So it's going to take a few of us sometimes. Kevin's had neighbors. You've had neighbors that it takes a few of us. We used to say it takes a village to raise our kids, right? Because they're not going to listen to me, but they will listen to a bunch of us. And they'll listen to their friends. Do not let the world compete with the God of the universe. David said, and I said it again this morning and I can't say it enough, that blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. We are paying $60,000 a year to send our next generation to a school that, doesn't, that is teaching our next generation that we don't know the difference between men and women. Jesus Christ, that is sitting in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water who brings forth its fruit in its season. And whatever he does will prosper. Do you want what you're doing to prosper? Then pull God into. Let him control you. Because you will prosper for eternity. You're not just going to get some nice rims on your car. You're not going to get stuff that you can't take with you make the most of every opportunity he says everybody you meet doesn't want to come at first but when they do they become like you they become like me why would I not want anybody to know the God that I know The reason that you see tears ever is because I remember who I was when I was forgiven for being rebellious and who I was. He's real, isn't he? Yes, he is. If he is, that gives us a passion for living that no one else on earth has. They don't have an answer of one of the many religions. I know that the God of the universe made intercession with my spirit and I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle in my life. 
that I can tell people about. And they're real. It's tangible. If it's real and it's tangible to you, that drives the point home even more that there is a heaven and a hell. When you see people, do you say go to hell? Or do you say, God, have mercy? You had mercy on me, a sinner. I am thankful for the salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for this meeting that they might hear the good news even if I get punched in the face. There ought to be some levity to our belief. And when there is, God can use 12 guys with no internet to change the world. Amen? There's more than 12 people in here, and there's only 1,500 on the island. And I'm like one of those Boy Scouts, want to tackle an old lady and take her where she doesn't want to go. Because where she doesn't want to go is exactly where she wants to go. She just doesn't know it yet. When she gets there, she's happy she's there. We ought to be making opportunities. There was a stat that I read. 84 to 16% of inaction regrets outnumber action regrets. It's not the things that we do that we regret. It's the things that we don't do. I'm going to ask the band to come up right now. And I'm going to read a quote from Charles Spurgeon. And then we're going to pray. Spurgeon, who was lying on his deathbed, said this, and it's on the screen. If I have any message to give from my own bed of sickness, it would be this. If you do not wish to be full of regrets when you are obliged to lie still, work while you can. If you desire to make a sick bed as soft as it can be, don't stuff it with mournful reflection that you wasted time while you were in health and strength. Overcome the wicked one and fight for the Lord while you can. You'll never regret having done all that lies in you for our blessed Lord and Master. Put as much as you can into every day and postpone no work until tomorrow. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. On his deathbed, make the most of every opportunity, Paul said. So that's our question. Are we making the most of every opportunity that's involving other people and opportunities in your life? And if everything is run by the God of the universe, you're going to see Jesus said, you will bear much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. It's his desire that we bear fruit. I just want you to bow your heads for a second. If any of you do not know Jesus, the Bible tells us that we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if we believe in our hearts that Jesus died for us and confess with our mouth that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. He gave. And he wants you to give. If you haven't done that and you want to, all you have to do is pray an honest prayer like this. Lord, I don't know you, but I want to. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. 
come into my heart and save me. Make intercession with my spirit the way David was talking about. I want to have testimonies of reality. I want practical faith, and I don't have that now, but I want it. Lord, I believe in you, and I believe that Jesus died for me. I turn right now from my sin, and I turn to you. If you prayed that prayer, if you are feeling like maybe hot and bothered, that's good. That's the Holy Spirit saying, I love you. I want to encourage you to just share with me after the service that you prayed that prayer. And I want to give you some tools to walk in your faith. Some others in this room might just be wasting some opportunities. Maybe we're looking at things or material things a little higher than we're looking at people and opportunities. Just give that to the Lord tonight. Just ask God, Lord, forgive me. I want to make most of the time and the opportunities and the people that you've placed in my life, I want to love better. And I want to speak the gospel that they might hear it clearly. That I might articulate it with your words. And that you would give me a better life. I want to have fruit. And I just haven't been bearing the fruit that you've desired for me. I'm going to invite you now to stand. And I'm going to tell you that this altar is open. And if you want to pray with me for any reason, I will be right down over here by the cross. Uh, if I get busy, Randy will come over. And you can pray with Randy. You can probably pray for Randy. <laughs> you can probably pray for me. I want you to just take a moment and just worship the awesome God of the universe. If you want to more information about the church, you can